0: reading this morning from Isaiah 29, verses 13 through 24. And the Lord said, Because this people draw near with their mouth, and honor me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me, and their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. Therefore, behold, I will again do wonderful things with this people, with wonder upon wonder, And the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the discernment of their discerning men shall be hidden. Ah, you who hide deep from the Lord your counsel, whose deeds are in the dark, and who say, who sees us, who knows us, you turn things upside down. Shall the potter be regarded as the clay, that the thing which made should say of its maker, he did not make me? Or the thing formed say of him who formed it, he has no understanding. Is it not yet a very little while until Lebanon shall be turned into a fruitful field, and the fruitful field shall be regarded as a forest? In that day the deaf shall hear the words of a book, and out of their gloom and darkness the eyes of the blind shall see the meek shall obtain fresh joy in the Lord and the poor among mankind shall exult in the Holy One of Israel and the ruthless shall come to nothing and the scoffer cease and all who watch to do evil shall be cut off who by a word make a man out of an offender and lay a snare for him who reproves in the gate and with an empty plea Turn aside him who is in the right. Therefore, thus says the Lord who redeemed Abraham concerning the house of Jacob. Jacob shall no more be ashamed. No more shall his face grow pale. For when he sees his children, the work of his hands in his midst, they will sanctify my name. They will sanctify the Holy One of Jacob and will stand in awe of the God of Israel. And those who go astray in spirit will come to understanding, and those who murmur will accept instruction.
1: Amen. Thank you. Good morning. It seems that since the beginning of time, we have been in the practice of hiding, and especially hiding from God. In our lives. Genesis 3 reminds us And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called out to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. And I hid myself. Why are we hiding from God, the lover of our souls? For us this morning, where are you? Where are you in your relationship with the Lord? Are you drawing closer to Him? Or are you in hiding this morning from Him? You know, we learn as children to hide and we play the game hide and seek. I know many of you played that. I did for a lot of years as I was a child. And the one would count up to 50 or higher, eyes closed, and the others would go scatter and hide. And then they would try to get back to base without getting tagged. And then eventually, when there were some still in hiding and someone had been caught, they would call out, Ollie, Ollie, oxen free. You know what? I never knew exactly what I was saying until just recently. I always thought it was like, Ali Ali auction, something freeze. So I, I didn't know what to say, so I just kind of heard it and would call it out. Ollie, Ali oxen free. All in, all in. Come all in, you are free to come in. That's what Ali Ali oxen free means. All in, all in, you're free to come in. I think the Lord wants us to stop hiding. To be freed from our sin. To come in to Him and receive His forgiveness and His grace. I believe He's calling out to all of us. All in. All in. Come freely home. All in. Let's pray for that this morning. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning for this body of Christ. I thank You for each and every one who's here this morning. And I pray through Your Holy Spirit that You would minister to us. And Father, I know there's some in this room who are hiding from you this morning. Hiding in their brokenness, hiding because they're ashamed, hiding because they don't want to deal with life and with all that's going on with them. And I just pray that you will free them up. I pray that they would see your grace and receive it. I pray that they would recognize how much you love them. And so, Father, help us if we're in hiding. Help us to come into your loving arms. Father, we acknowledge you as our Lord and Savior. Do your amazing work this morning in the hearts of this body. In your precious name, amen. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things when I was a child that I also realized is that when I was the one who would go out and hide, you realize when you find your hiding place, it's awfully dark there, isn't it? And you get into your little corner and, and you're in hiding, but then you realize, I'm kind of scared because it's really dark. I can't see all that's going on around me. And yet, you're willing to deal with that fear because you don't want to be found. Such was the case with Israel, with Jerusalem. And Isaiah is going to take us this morning, as we look at chapter 29, to to see the, the fear and the hiding and the blindness of Jerusalem. If you have your Bibles, look at verse 1 with me. Woe to you, Ariel! Ariel, the city where David settled. Add year to year and let the cycle of your festivals go on. Yet I, God is saying, I will besiege Ariel. She will mourn and lament, and she will be to me like an altar hearth. I will encamp against you. All around you I will encircle you with towers and set up my siege works against you. Brought low, you will speak from the ground, your speech will mumble out of the dust. Your voice will come ghost-like from the earth, and out of the dust your speech shall whisper. You know, as I was first reading this, these first few verses of chapter 29, I really did ask the question, why does God hate the little mermaid? That was, that was my main question. For those of you who aren't Disney fans or don't have little girls, Ariel was the name of the Little Mermaid. Ariel means line of God. And in the Hebrew, the word is actually very close to uh, hearth, altar. And commentators will say, it's definitely the line of God that is being spoken of here. Others will say, no, it's hearth, altar, that is speaking in Ariel about what's taking place with the people of Jerusalem. It is in reference to the city of Jerusalem. I think, actually, that it's speaking to both. Ariel, Ariel, line of God, O Jerusalem. You know, that city of God, the people of God where they went and worshipped. He was their God. They were His people. And they viewed themselves in an incredible way, lofty and high. Jackson reminded us last week of the incredible pride of the people of Israel. And when you are named Lion of God, you can take great pride in that. And so I think Isaiah might be a a little bit sarcastic here. You're claiming that you are Lion of God, but you are so far from God. You have no relationship with Him. You keep doing your festivals year after year, but you're turned away from the Lord. And therefore, I will make... You, an Ariel, I will make you an altar. I will consume you with righteous judgment. And you will become an Ariel. That place that will go through the refining fire of our Lord. The relationship with God at this point has really become, I believe, for the people of Israel, that God is, is an enemy. And I think they view Him that way. And God certainly is responding And he's saying very clearly, I'm the one who is going to encamp around you. I am the one who is going to break you down. I am. We know that he's going to use the Assyrian people to do that, but he doesn't bring them up in this chapter, does he? He's making it very clear. I'm the one who's coming against you. And I think it's this incredible relationship. God is not their enemy, but Israel, I think, believes he is. But he is going to bring his righteous judgment. And one of the great spiritual truths that we can never forget as we go through Isaiah is that God's righteous judgment upon sin, our sin, is always redemptive. Always. And sometimes as we read Isaiah and we go, boy, this is awfully harsh. You need to understand something about the loving Lord. His work, His refining fire in our life is always redemptive. When we choose to walk away from Him, when we choose to sin against Him and He's trying to bring us back and He's placing His righteous judgment upon us, it's redemptive. He wants to make us whole again. He wants to call us back into His presence. You know, I think a lot of times of when we were kids growing up, especially as teenagers, did you ever yell at your parents, I hate you. I hate you. They restricted you in some way. They were maybe disciplining you. They knew that if you were going to go to a certain party, it would have destructive consequences. And so you yell at them, I hate you. And it breaks the heart of the parent, doesn't it? How do you think God felt with his people? Because really, that's where they were with him. We hate you, God. We don't want anything to do with you. We don't want to hear from you. We don't want to receive from you. Don't tell us what to do. But it's amazing God's incredible pursuit. We never stop loving our children, do we? And one thing you can never forget about God, he never stops loving you, ever. We're the ones who stop loving him. We're going to see, though, how his love and his redemptive work plays out in these next verses. Look at verse 5 with me. It's a total shift. He's saying in the first four verses, I'm going to judge you, Ariel. But then he goes to this, verse 5, But your many enemies, those who are coming against you, they are going to become like fine dust, the ruthless hordes like a blown chaff. Suddenly, in an instant, the Lord God Almighty will come with thunder and earthquake and great noise, with a windstorm and tempest and flames of devouring fire. And those nations that fight against Ariel, against Jerusalem, those that attack her and her fortresses and besiege her, It will be to them as a dream, as a vision in the night, as when a hungry man dreams that he's eating, but he awakens and his hunger remains. As when a thirsty man dreams that he is drinking, but he awakens and he is faint, his thirst is unquenched, so will it be with the hordes of all of the nations that fight against Mount Zion." I am going to judge you for your sin and your rebellion. And at the same time, this is the beauty of God and His love relationship with His people. The Lord becomes our defender. The Lord is our salvation. The Lord is our rock. Will we repent and turn back to Him? He will deliver us from this brokenness, from this sin. Our God, it is shown in these verses, is omnipotent. Our God is sovereign. He has His hand on all of the nations. He has complete power over them. You see, the enemy thinks they can come in and wipe out God's people. But God will not be mocked. You see, our spiritual enemy, Satan, thinks that he can defeat you as children of God. He cannot. Because Christ, who lives in us, is more powerful than the enemy, Satan. You need to always know that. If you're a child of God, the enemy cannot defeat you ultimately, because Christ lives in you. God will not be mocked. Those who come against the Lord, they'll be left empty. It's like they just had this wonderful steak, and they wake up and they're starving. You come against the Lord's people, and He will not let you have victory over them. And I'm reminded, it's, it's really a beautiful thing throughout the Scriptures, and I don't know how the Lord is going to play all of this out, but I think of the Jewish people. And I'm always amazed at the history of the Jews and how God has preserved the Jews all throughout history. So many have tried to come against the Jewish people, right? Tried to wipe them out completely. Hitler's our great example of coming in and wanting to wipe all of them out. The Holocaust being one of the worst crimes against humanity. Purely satanic. Yet in all those amazing attempts to destroy the Jewish people, all the different nations who've tried to come against them, And especially in in World War II, and as they were attacking the Jews, what happened is allies formed. And they came in and they fought against Hitler and his army. And the Jewish people were delivered and rescued and saved. Awareness of what was going on went all over the world. And on May 14, 1948, Israel became a nation. Again, the Lord says there's no more Jew or Gentile. It's purely where our hearts are in Christ. But I do know one thing, that God seems to have his special hand upon the Jewish people. And the one thing I know for certain is that he never stops pursuing their hearts. That they would, like all of us, surrender their hearts to Jesus Christ you can't want to come and attack my people, you will not have victory over that. Here's what I do know. If you want to live life as an enemy of God, it leads to utter dissatisfaction. It leads to utter emptiness. Ultimate destruction, eternal destruction, separated from God forever. And what God does is He releases us Unto ourselves. We demand things from God. We want for ourselves. We want to live in rebellion against God. We don't want to hear from Him. We want to treat Him as an enemy. We want to live with our own strength and in our own stuff, our own sin. Look what He says in verse 9 Be stunned and amazed, blind yourself and be sightless, be drunk. But not from wine, stagger, but not from beer. The Lord has brought over you a deep sleep. He has sealed your eyes, the prophets. He has covered your heads, the seers. God is delivering his people over to what they demand. Why would the Lord close their eyes? Again, the truth is their hearts are far away. They don't want to hear from God. All of their leaders, their prophets and seers, they're just putting out their own stuff. They're not hearing from the Lord. Why does He close their eyes? Because, again, they want to stay in hiding. They don't want to deal with God. They don't want to receive from Him His loving grace. And they want to stay stuck in their sin. They like their place that they're at. God turns them over to the desires of their heart. Here's what Romans 1 says. Although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. They claimed to be wise, but they became fools. They exchanged the glory of a mortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, verse 24 of of Romans 1 says this. Therefore, God gave them over to their lust, to their desires of their heart, to the impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth for God for a lie. Why are we trying to hide from God? You know, it's really a dark place. It really is. And we end up living in blindness there. We cannot see, we cannot hear from Him. We are distant from him. And one thing that you need to know is that the whole time that you're in hiding, our Lord God is calling out, like he did to Adam and Eve, Where are you? Stop hiding. Where are you? Come out from that place of hiding. Ollie, Ollie, oxen free. Come home freely. Come and receive my grace freely. Come, let me forgive you. Come in. Ollie Ollie, oxen free. Why are we hiding from God? We hide in our Christian practice. Look at verse 1 of chapter 29. Woe to you, Ariel, Ariel! The city of David settled there. Add year to year and let your cycle of festivals go on. So basically, all year long they're celebrating all these festivals of God, and yet their hearts are not even close to Him. And the Lord God said in verse thirteen and fourteen, "Because this people they draw near to Me with their mouth. Why are they? Why am I blinding them? Why are they suffering in this? Why is there going to be consequence? Because this people draw near to Me with their mouth, they honor Me with their lips." while their hearts are far from Me. And their fear of Me is a commandment taught by men. The only fear they have of the Lord, it's only what they know intellectually. They're not experiencing the wrath of the Lord. Jesus said this in Matthew 23. Woe to you, teachers of the Pharisees, you hypocrites! You're like whitewashed tombs. You look beautiful on the outside, but inside you are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. We really can look so glossy on the outside, can't we? We do it very well. You guys get all showered up and comb your hair and brush your teeth and you come to church and you look awfully nice this morning. But where are you with God? We can do an awful lot of ministry. We can serve in all kinds of different functions. We can come to church every Sunday, sit in our same seats. But where is your heart with God? We sure can look Christian. And we hide in our Christian practice. And God is calling out to you. We get all painted up. The Queen Mary, which was one of the the largest cruise vessels was launched in 1936. It was it was out on the sea for four decades. She served in the world wars and and she ended up becoming anchored in in Long Beach, California. And as they, they what they were going to do is they're going to make it a wonderful place to visit and actually a hotel and restaurant and make it really wonderful. But they had to do some work and do some repainting and. And they ha- she had three incredible uh, smokestacks. And they took those off to repaint them and you know get them all polished up. And as they set them on the dock, they literally, all three of them, crumbled. Absolutely crumbled. Three-quarter inch steel crumbled. And all that was left was the 39 layers of paint. Over all those years. Literally. All of the metal had rusted out. And all that was left was this paint and it was all wilted all over the dock. Why are we hiding in our Christian practice? Trying to paint ourselves up. When our insides are dead, let us call out to Christ. And he says, he reminds us, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Ali, oli, oxen free. Don't live with this Christian practice and just be doing it on the outside. Do it because you're filled with the Holy Spirit and I am using you to enjoy life in me. Do it for that reason. We are blind because of our rebellion from God. We hide out in our Christian practice and we hide out in our sin. Verse 15 and 16. Ah, you who hide deep from the Lord, your counsel, whose deeds are in the dark, and who say, who sees us? Who knows us? You see, they thought they could set up this, this alliance with Egypt in secret, that nobody would see that, that God would somehow miss it. Where are you this morning? He's calling out in the garden. Are you hiding deep in your sin? Or let me put it another way. Are you trying to hide deep into your sin with a God who sees everything? You know, I, I, I think I mentioned to you, we got a new little puppy. His name's Scout. He's a poo. Pekingese poodle. He's a little white fluffy thing and, and he's cute as all get out. He started out at, at four pounds when we got him. He's nine point three pounds right now. I just had him weighed the other day. He's an awesome, awesome dog, and he's been learning to be potty trained. And and I think he's done a pretty darn good job considering this brutal winter. You know, like you want me to go outside? Are you kidding me? You know. But still, every now and then he leaves a special little gift for us. And so when I realize there's this little gift here, I call out, Scout! And funny enough, he doesn't come to me. He runs away. And he goes to this specific spot. We have a couch upstairs, we have a split-level home, and and we have a big couch upstairs. The clearance under the couch is maybe three inches. But Scout, he goes, and he, he does like an army crawl, And he fits himself underneath this couch, fully spread out, you know, laid flat. And he hides from me when I call his name. But here's the funny thing. His big white tail is there. (laughs) And so I literally, I I pull him out by his hind legs and I'm like, his claws are digging in, you know? And I pull him out and I'm all, scout. And I take him down. And I show him his gift. And I say, no, this is bad. And then I take him to the door. I take his paw and I have it scratch on the door. (laughs) Outside potty, outside potty. And then we go outside. And I teach him the right way. You've all done this, right? We hide in our sin. We think that God does not see us. Do we think we're hiding in the dark And God doesn't see when we click on to our next porn site that we're going to look at. Do you think we're hiding from God when we fudge the numbers on our taxes that are due here shortly? Do we think we hide from God when we gossip about our brother or sister in the Lord and that the Lord's not aware of that? Do you think we hide from God when in our minds and in our hearts we're trying to figure out a way to divorce our spouse? And leave them? Do you think God doesn't want to enter in right in the middle of that? And minister to you? And draw you back unto Himself? And take you from a place of destruction back into life? Because He does. We create this distance with the Lord and our sin. we've lost our self-service from Him when we get far away and we continue to sin. And God looks at us again like little children who hide under a blanket in the middle of the living room and think mom and dad don't see them there. Of course He knows what's going on. Of course He sees us. But more than just seeing us, He wants us to be freed from our sin. Do you understand that? He doesn't come to lay this heavy judgment on you. He wants you to be freed from your sin that you're hiding in. Let him do that because he does and he will and he can because he has conquered sin and death. Where are you? Are you hiding deep in that place? Ali, Ali, oxen free, come into the arms of Jesus and receive forgiveness because there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. And so come in and receive your freedom and receive forgiveness and receive amazing grace. We hide in our sin. One of the other areas that we hide in is we hide by taking on a new identity. We get involved in identity theft. Have you ever had someone steal your identity? I've actually had that happen recently twice this month, this last month. I had, I had one deal where people were trying to tap into my accounts. And this is the way they were trying to do it. They sent me an American Express uh, check, $8.12. And they said, hey, when you closed out your account, you had a little bit of a refund here. So deposit this check. And I don't know why. I think it was just the Holy Spirit said, you know what? Uh, call, call not the number on the paper there, call American Express directly and say, hey, did you send me a check? Sure enough, uh-uh. And sure enough, the number on that account was totally bogus. It went to their fraud deal. And they were going to deposit that check and get into my account and do all that. I just got a call the other day, my Marriott card. Hey, Mr. Ritchie, did you get a $50 uh, inmate cell phone? I'm like, you know, no, I'm not in prison right now. I didn't uh, do that. Okay, because we, we got a charge. We thought it looked a little suspicious. They were using your name. And they actually charged a bunch of other cell phones and uh, several hundred dollars of charges they made. So Marriott cleared all that up, or the Visa card cleared all that up. Identity theft happens all the time, and it's amazing how much it happens to God. For years, I thought our our coins said on there, in Rod, we trust. And I lived a lot of my life trusting in myself, thinking I had the answers, thinking I had all this capability and these abilities that I was good at, these talents. In Rod, I trust. And we're hiding in our new identity. Shall the potter be esteemed as the clay? The people of Jerusalem made this terrible mistake of raising themselves up and lowering God at the same time. And so for them, the clay was just as worthy as the potter. Just as intelligent, just as powerful as the potter was. And their new credit card said, Pete and P- Patty Potter. What incredible pride, right? We need to stop stealing God's identity. Thinking that we have all the answers. Thinking that we can save ourselves. Thinking that we can get out of this sin that has taken us to a dark place. He's the only one who can deliver us from that. He's the only one who can deliver us from our enemies. We can't do it. Stop stealing his identity. Come out of hiding. Ali, Ali, oxen free. Let us live as Chad and Cynthia Clay. Let us be molded by Him, transformed by Him, made into a new creation, and loved as His children. Let us come to that place. Come out of hiding and see again. And receive life. You see, God is a God of restoration. In that day, verse 17 goes on, in that day there's going to be all of this wonderful change that God is going to do. Lebanon will be turned into a fertile field and the fertile field will seem like a a forest. In that day, ultimately when Christ reigns, presently as Christ reigns in your heart and empowers you through the Holy Spirit. I think there's even some of this in Isaiah that is speaking maybe to the Holy Spirit's work at Pentecost when the scrolls are open and they actually see and understand and hear the words of God. But ultimately it's going to be fulfilled in Christ's reign when He returns. Pride will be stripped away, those towering cedars of Lebanon, those trees that were held in high esteem and the people, that's going to be all stripped down and this fertile field all of a sudden that's going to start to grow. And it's going to be as a forest. Life. New life. Life that isn't filled with pride, but filled with trust in the Lord God Almighty. Life that is filled with joy. They're going to have joy in hearing God's Word and receiving from Him. They're going to come to Him humbly. They're going to praise Him. God is in the restoration business. Let them do that work in you this morning. Come out from your hiding. Ali, Ali, oxen free. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, forgive us again for hiding. Forgive us for thinking that we can live life without you. And Father, I pray this morning again through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would draw people close to you in this room this morning who have been hiding from you in whatever way, and renew them, and restore them, and give them new life, and give them joy in you, Father. You are our rock. You are our salvation. You are our deliverer. Father, pour out your amazing grace upon this body this morning. In your precious name, amen.